Now, if you're going down south, and I'm not talking about with your loved ones, I mean Aww. if you're if you're going to be enjoying a frito pie, what is the appropriate accoutrement for the top of the frito pie? Let's go with Doc, because you know you you seem well acquainted. Uh, I was honestly, my head went to a very dirty spot because you started talking. Why about going am I not down. shocked? He's going down and eating pies, and I was uh-huh. just like, and what, what should be on top? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I like a little landing strip. You know? It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> he specified not on your loved ones, not. Mm-hmm. So I brought the the nose of the plane up before I actually took well, us into so, the descent. So Frito pie is just chili, Fritos, and cheese, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you can put onions on there. You can uh, put an assortment you, of other toppings. Yeah, uh, you, I mean, chili, you can get crazy you jalapenos. Do you well, eat yeah, your chili straight? Like, uh, I mean, we're not talking about our predilections on the show. Uh, <laughs> I identify as a trash panda. <laughs> uh, no, jalapenos all day. I wouldn't. Uh, oh, I'm not okay. a big fan of the. Um, I love sautéed onions. I don't really like raw onions. So anybody that does same thing with chili dogs there, when you do the sprinkling of uh, raw onions, I, it, 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 the crunch okay. of it, and then the juices that come from a raw mm-hmm. onion becomes overpowering to the dish. Mm-hmm. So sure. if you're not going to sauté, I'm not a big fan. They like yeah. juices when they go down. Yes, that's true. Uh, I like a little spice, you know, but not too vinegary of a jalapeno. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pickled like jalapeno is a good idea. But uh, <laughs> uh, Michael, anything you want to add? Well, since I'm now in Santa Fe, I would definitely say uh, green chili sauce. Fantastic. Oh, yes. Uh huh. Um, mm-hmm. Have you then, had a green burrito since you showed up? I think several. Okay. Several green burritos. Yeah, yeah. It's important. Um, I've had at least several beers out here that are either chili flavored or uh, smoked. Mm. So. Uh, definitely won't complain about that. Um, every pizza place that I visited, which is only two, but they both have had green chili pizzas. Anywhere you go, green mm. chili is an option. Green chili so. on a burger is one of the greatest things Ooh, ever. Yes. So good. Yeah. Mm. I realized that I might have given the inflection that I was complaining about that. That is not the case at all. I am very excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, congratulations on being in New Mexico and being alive. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very excited for you on your new journey. Yeah. I'm going to go do things that I can't talk about except for on a Joe Rogan podcast with a migraine uh-huh. and with uh, the, the person who shall not be named because I refuse to remember his I, name. You know, I got to say, though, I've having been on a podcast with you while you were experiencing a migraine and then listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with Bob Lazar having a migraine. I think Lazar was more entertaining. I, I'm not, you know, busting balls here, but, it, you know, he got a lot more words out. You're not wrong. But also, uh-huh. I'm not entertaining when I'm not having a migraine. So the baseline is already set. No, I think you have very, very wonderful high points when you're not in excruciating pain. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you that. What a, sweet, what a sweetie. That was so nice, Shane. What he's a sweetie, a, Todd. He's being a kindler, gentler Shane tonight. <laughs> yeah. Kindler I mean, indeed. Well, you hope something More words we add us. L's to that don't require Kindlier. Them, <laughs> More kindly Lear. Or so kinder, but you know, the, uh, nah, the nah. trainings that you cannot speak of, uh, I hope that they are going well thus far. Sounds like you might be well prepared for an escape room. True. I have, <laughs> I have taken many trainings and they've all dealt with evacuations. Yeah, and, uh, it, when you, when you evacuate, you go to a safe place. That's, that's the thing <laughs> I will say because. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Uh, I often try to go to a safe place when I evacuate, but... Exactly. 
Well, a delightful time for all involved parties, and I hope that you enjoy Oppenheimer's Deadly Toy. It should be a, a, a grand time for you there. But for those of you who are not looking to get nuclear, you can just join me in saying, by the eternal, behold, behold. it is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. And we are officially, you know, playing the game of musical chairs as as podcasters of just, you know, trying to enjoy new locales to go and boldly explore brave new worlds, in fact. Grand galaxies and spread labia that we have not seen before. Wait, uh... Mis- Wait no, I went Are to we the, the Kirk Trek Solo podcast? version, I think. Uh, different story. Anyway. We are creating the next generation. You. <laughs> I need Jordy's uh, visor so I could shut the vision off. So I don't have to encounter that ever again. But I'm happy to say we are not going to just have a- another marvelously meandering show this week. <gasps> I promise. Uh, I listened last week in just cringing the entire time. I was like, not my finest performance. The both of you were delightful. But yeah, yeah I, I felt very obviously I was on my heels that the entirety of that show. And I just never quite got in the comfort zone that I wanted. Uh, and so I was just listening the whole time. I was like, oh, just stop talking. Those are not funny jokes. Those are bad puns. My, frankly, sir, you should just shut up. And it didn't happen. So I thank you both. And all of you lovely listeners out there for, for putting up with it. But we're going to get back true to form this week. And we're actually going to have a presented topic. Yay. And I don't know how we're going to recover. But uh, for those of you who are making your first foray into the podcast realm with us in particular, what we usually do here on this show is we like to delve into random esoterica. And in the course of explaining it to one another and you lovely listeners at home, we like to lie occasionally. That's the shtick. If you want an explanation, apparently we do it in triplicate on episode one. So you can go back, listen to us ruminate over the concept multiple times before finally getting around to Dixieland jazz mm-hmm. and it is a delightful time but uh, what we are going to do this evening is actually take it back a little bit we're going to run in a circle Michael has yet again experienced life uh, and life found a way if you will mm. and and thus uh, we are going to have to wait on the slap for, for a little while longer he has a personal interview scheduled with Will Smith uh, to sort of bring the whole thing to a grand conclusion and uh, then we'll get back around on that this evening. Michael, is, am I correct in stating that? Yeah, I mean, like uh, the 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 award show is next is this week as we're mm-hmm. recording. Um, I won't say which one, but there will be one. And uh, I was gonna, you know, bring up his wife and you know see what go, see what happens. You know, oh, it dangerous. sounds like it's a good bit. It sounds like a good bit. Why not? And uh, just like her, you can see whether someone can slap the hair off your head at the end of the evening. (laughs) As a bald man, I can sympathize, but it's a good look. Quite frankly, I think Jada Pinkett looks lovely, regardless of, you know, whatever her personal predilections and her her strange mental processes are. I think she, she, you know, still looks delightful. Yeah, she looks all right. I what I don't oh, get man. is it was yeah. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, of course you are one to level any sort of aesthetic criticism, my friend. I'm not. I for starters, I wasn't. I was keeping his wife's name out of my mouth. 
<laughs> uh, oh, come at me, Will. You can't even. Fi- I can't even find me. No, I, I dare uh, you. I have no issues with her looks whatsoever. I don't uh, judge people that way, Shane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand why we would take insult at being compared to GI Jane. I would love to be compared to GI Jane. She was badass. Tried to go with a Demi Moore reference to get us out of that. Okay. Well, no, that's the original reference. That was Chris Rock's uh-huh. joke. That got yes, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. You're, you're trying to steer us away. Yeah. Uh-huh. Us, but she chose to have her hair removed as opposed to fate intervening on her behalf. True. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a hairy situation, and I, frankly, I want to get out Remove of it. So. Me. Back to the muff. Back to the muff. <sighs> <laughs> man <laughs> with frito pies hair pie never mind. your your transitions oh. are, are leaving <laughs> a lot today. to be desired yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm, and i I'm... thought i always had bad sigourney segues <laughs> uh michael Ooh. and i are both sweating for entirely different reasons at this point but uh <laughs> it was the jalapenos on the frito pie uh and the pacific northwest wreaking its ugly revenge on me i have air conditioning in this apartment it's just in the other room so it will not sound like i have jet engines taking off behind me i am closed in a place where the ac is not going to reach me so automatically with the ring light and the other light in the room and it being 91 degrees outside i'm like oh yes this is what i loved about arizona Mm. when the ac failed yeah bring (sighs) it to me Bring the sweat. It's a sauna in my own house. Got Niagara trickling down my ass crack right now. But Mm. okay. So, as I alluded to on last week's show, we are going to be doing a little uh, revisiting of a prior topic. And we're going to dive into the satanic panic redux, which is very exciting. And so, we're going to start off here with part one of two, I'm assuming, Hopefully, we'll see whether or not I actually can keep this into a single segment here for part one for what I've dedicated here. But for part one, and I even did a Michael subheading just to keep us into the the same thing. This is from Genesis to Apocalypse. Ooh, okay. And no, that is not a Marvel reference. But uh, you're not going to be as as, as excited going forward because I will tell you there are ten lies contained within the course of this first installment. So, is everyone ready? I will say, though, I confused Apocalypse with Darkseid for a moment. So I was going to say, wait, isn't that DC? But I was incorrect, and so I'm just putting that out there for the record that I am an idiot. Well, you know, the thing... Like, those comic companies really did just carbon copy and facsimile characters over, because it's True. like between it, your your Hawkeyes and your Green Arrows and then your, your Namors and your Aquaman. Like, they oh, really yeah, yeah. were just, mm-hmm. you know, doing quick facsimiles of one another and saying, yeah, well, if you can do it, we can do it better. Mm-hmm. You got Superman, we've got Captain Marvel. Wait, no, <laughs> that's also DC. Uh, anyway, what? moving on. Wait a minute. Everybody ready? <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, you get one of Shane's famous preambles here, gentlemen, so welcome <gasps> back. Yes. It is important to note at the onset of the show here that any event ranging from, let's say, something Doc would be thrilled by, which is like a high-profile murder, to just a slip-and-fall workman's compensation case... All of these events are rendered in the public consciousness by an array of perspectives, right? Like the arm of a seismograph, the narrative surrounding a situation calls all of the details, circumstances, and involved parties, eventually rendering them into a linear transcription of the tale. 
Hopefully. At least if someone's keeping track. As such... I will say it is incumbent on me at the onset here to clarify that I do not believe any one account of a situation to be the definitive depiction of events. Perspectives vary, and so this presentation, I would say, is more adding further shades and gradients to a composite of a topic we've previously perused. So thus, I'm not attempting to either debunk or contradict Michael's excellent presentation of the Satanic Panic, as he found it last year through the window mm -hmm. of a devotee to D&D, which I will note is the episode from July 4th of 2022, oh, entitled wait. Summoning Satan with a Level 3 Warlock. If you are looking back through the archives trying to find this, because somebody in their infinite wisdom elected to remove all of the episode numbers from our fucking show titles, <laughs> lest we be intimidating to new listeners. So if you're trying to find things that we're referring to makes matters somewhat more difficult as I look back through this. But... Was it gonna, July 4th, 2022? It was. In fact, I'm not doing Michael lies. Yeah, Come that on. Wasn't, that wasn't a Michael lie. That was a Courtney lie. Still. Thank you. Listen, I'm a classy presenter. Whoa. Not going to give you any of this cheap <laughs> nonsense here. Dang, them fighting words. Bring Courtney, Courtney's, that was on. Courtney's not <laughs> even alive right now. Come on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> No, we Damn. love you, Courtney. She's uh, she's enjoying some lovely circumstances presently, so I'm not dogpiling on my friend at all. All right. So what I'm proposing to do with this particular edition is add my perspective on the moral and societal efforts of certain puritanical, myopic, conservative cliques, call them whatever you will, which uh, enacted some movements in the name of battling devil worship which stemmed, in my particular estimation, from the rise to prominence of serial and spree murderers in the public consciousness, in particular, okay. the American consciousness. Okay, that that is a good angle. I, I'm really excited to see that, because there were hints to that, mm -hmm. which I always love enjoying, like, experiencing new perspectives on something. So I'm really excited to hear this. Good. And uh, you can go back and re-listen to Michael's episode and sort of marry the two together here to see what you think once we get through that. But naturally, there are going to be a wealth of other sort of historical incidents that could, you know, sort of plant this seed. God knows there's enough sort of puritanical rhetoric starting from the the onset of the u.s as a nation mm -hmm. uh you know going to hellfire and brimstone and all of these other things in particular the concept of like you know the demon seed that the the serpent impregnated eve and so all of the daughter or the sons and daughters of cain are descended of the devil like this all of these other things but from my perspective whenever a tragedy occurs be it a solitary instance or a series of events, the human mind strives to attach meaning to the madness, to find the light switch in a darkened room of panic and ethical discombobulation, if you will. And so we have an inherent need to shield ourselves from the unknown as an evolutionary characteristic. We can only survive if we prepare to defend ourselves from every possible onslaught our environment can throw at us. And... Subsequently, from Jack the Ripper to the Manson family, on through to terrorist acts and mass shootings of the modern era, American society in particular is always leaning into the breeze like a drunken Floridian ambling into a hurricane, thinking that we can, <laughs> by sheer force of will alone, light the lone candle that will throw the sum of all evil into stark relief. 
the victim du jour of American attribution in this particular instance, at least from 1960 to 2000, was the diabolical devil of Christian mythology, Satan, and his clandestine clutch of cloaked congregants. I know, I know that it isn't bullshit, but I would like to say, even now, today, <laughs> mm-hmm. that Satan is still being evoked as a cause for a lot of misfortune. Certainly, yes. Not calling bullshit on your from you know X to exactly, 2000, yes. But I still feel, especially a lot more nowadays, like Satan has been come become a lot more vogue. Yes, and I think I'm I'm looking at the panic as mm-hmm. sort of. We we talk about the the waves that sort of pushed up onto the shore, starting from uh, you know the the sixties and onward, and two thousand specifically. We'll touch on some things that I'll discuss here, and it's it's ooh, okay, ongoing. Okay. But oh, yes. uh, this is kind of the the breadth that I was looking at in in doing research. Yeah, and so, okay, that, fair that enough. timeline falls more with like the rise of like uh, televangelists and whatnot as well. So and television, and, true. and television, Which, exactly. yeah, yeah, it's going to play a large role here. Ooh, okay, okay, so. Because I like to prepare the audience for those who don't want to go do homework, and I understand that's a thing, uh, to give a quick recap of Michael's episode. In the year 1980, a book was published which ushered in a series of ritual abuse claims that would be Devil the Decade. Co-authored by psychiatrist Lawrence Panzer like the tank, uh, and his patient, Michelle Smith, whom the book is based on, and coincidentally enough, he'd later marry. The Mm -hmm. faux autobiography Michelle Remembers would bring allegations developed by religious fundamentalists pertaining to cults and ritual abuse to the forefront of mainstream media, and during the following years it would provide a model for similar cases to arise. The book itself documents Michelle's repressed memories, and that's a heavy quote on repressed memories, uh, that were recovered during therapy sessions under Panzer. History has not shown whether it's literally under Panzer or not, but we can assume fairly safely. Why not both? Exactly. Uh, most of the stories involve scenarios that wouldn't feel out of place in a B-grade exploitation film of the time period. And, of course, there are cameos even from the risen Lord Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and the Archangel Michael, who all appeared to save Michelle from a ritual attended by Satan himself. Yep, I do remember bringing the Avengers into it. Uh-huh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cue the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and subsequently, the Holy Trinity then erased her terrible memories and scars until such time that the message could be safely conveyed to the world at large. <laughs> and thus, in 1984, Panzer would serve as a consultant during the McMartin Preschool Trial, which would last for six years and, like his book, was thoroughly debunked. This spilled into a rising panic, which would find an odd focal point in the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons and its Cheeto-dust-covered denizens. And that is sufficient to give us a little context about what Michael presented. Uh, You can get all of the details about the D&D connections, and they are... Very entertaining and exceedingly thorough, so well done there. Yeah. But uh, I do want to give... Go ahead. uh, I do want to say that there is an additional episode that I did that covers the uh, Michelle Remembers in a little bit more detail. I did touch upon it briefly in the, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, summoning Satan with a level three warlock, but I also did the satanic panic, or satanic ritual abuse is I think the name of the episode. So, yeah, there's two episodes that you, that you, the listener, can listen through if you want some more context leading up to what Shane's about to talk about. 
we're we're very heavy on on the Dark Lord's work on this show, uh, hail as Satan. evidenced. Indeed, and yeah, hail me, hail stand. <laughs> But uh, I think that's going to give us a little context moving into my presentation and sort of the foibles that are in play. Uh, but I did want to give the devil his due, pardon the phrase, for those who didn't hear Michael's <laughs> prior presentations. True. Uh, and we will also have, of course, episode two, which was my presentation on Levian Satanism. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, other instances where we talk about the Church of Satan and a slew of other topics in the archive. So you can go back, listen to all those things and, and get dark with us if you enjoy this little foray plenty of listening in your future yes but now we go to 1966 where the advent of the church of satan would mark a shift in societal attitudes as i noted in the second episode of this glorious little show upon its creation founder anton zandor levey declared annos satanas 1966 the first year of the age of satan and all of a sudden a once feared taboo belief system had ingrained itself in the public conscious and its appeal extended to rock stars and celebrities whose participation in the movement would make it mainstream, even. Or Jim Morrison just screaming fucker in the ass on stage for, you know, 45 minutes. But, yeah, whatever. It, it was known. It was known. Bless Jimi Hendrix. He was a so, backdoor man. That's what I heard. Uh, however, the popularity of the Church of Satan was just one of a few countercultures shifting away from traditional religious and wholly conservative attitudes at the time. It is also worth noting that the civil rights movement was ongoing, which unsettled a number of, uh, you know, lighter pigmented folks running around clutching their pearls and their Bibles. Uh, rock and roll music was, of course, massively popular and the hippies. Oh, the hippies Ooh. were spawning all over the place, particularly yeah. in America. Them damn hippies are <laughs> And thus, the Church of Satan was merely a reflection of a society rejecting traditional values, or rather a portion of society, in any event. Uh, with the rise of these movements came the response of the traditionalists, who weren't none too pleased with the proposed change in societal norms, but the notion of Satanism was an especially terrifying one for them, to say the least. Beyond the establishment of the Church of Satan, the atrocities committed by one Charles Manson and his family helped instill a more widespread fear of emerging countercultures across America. Throughout 1970s, the satanic panic was already being churned out by evangelists, but it wasn't until the following decade where it would be given its label and become a catastrophic phenomenon, as Michael touched on previously. It's important, though, to hearken back to the misdeeds of Manson and company for the purposes of our discussion in particular. Even into the late 1980s, there were still cadres of American communities still living in fear of Manson and his purported satanic network. Now, this is something you might not have heard of previously, huh. but uh, yeah, th this is a widespread really? conspiracy theory, which is guano balls crazy. Huh. In a book by journalist Maury Terry... The Ultimate Evil, which was published in 1988, presents evidence for an extraordinary assertion that a single satanic cabal existing primarily in California, Texas, and New York, so much like Pizzagate before it, uh, oh, had no. carried out 
or been involved in numerous murders, including, among many others, the Roy Raiden murder in Copco Canyon in 1983. This was an actor who was uh, going to a press conference to discuss a film that he had starred in and then just disappeared off the face of the earth. And oh. then they found his body, I believe, in a, uh, a bee estuary or whatever the heck you'd call like a commune for bees later on like a a couple weeks removed uh of course the son of sam killings in new york city in 76 and 77 uh the demise of natalie wood in 1980 the bizarre ritual murder of arliss perry a stanford university graduate student's wife who was actually killed in a church and just left there uh which is even more uh Alarming. And of course, finally, the crime of all crimes, the August 9th, 1969, so-called helter-skelter killings of Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, and Wojciech Frykowski, followed the next night by the murders of Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Now, I noticed your eyes light up there, Michael. So what are, what are you sniffing? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the actor disappearing and reappearing in a BS. That is true. That was all, yes. That is, yeah, no, this is. So a real life wicker man. It's essentially, yes, this actually occurred. This is why this is so bizarrely oh, flummoxing man. and why I had to present this because in reading this, yeah. is like, this is insane Ooh. the way that they connect these things. I got goosebumps. I was like, ah, oh, killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey. Exactly. Not the bees. Not uh, the bees. Somewhere in that list, there must have been a lie, though, because Shane didn't just. He doesn't like li- uh, list lies. I that's do not why- like list oh, lies. That's, true. that's why I hesitated and did not outright state it until the end, because he doesn't go for the 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 cheap. Well, the cheap and blows. I will say there are multiple points where the the article uh, in or the several articles that I was referencing, they were very fond of throwing out unsubstantiated lists. So when this was thrown together, they just threw out the person's name. So I actually it was like, okay, I need to go and look at who Roy right. Raiden is, yeah. which is why I even have these details. They didn't include any of these things. What? So yeah, I was like, you can't just make these bizarre assertions and then not expect someone's gonna like know who natalie wood is yeah so, exactly they do so well, uh it's all christopher walken's fault uh, I'm, I'm kidding no so uh terry's book which of course focuses on the son of sam shootings sorry the uh, walken started <laughs> going crazy oh no it's coming out again so uh the book focuses particularly on the son of sam shootings and of course revelations by david berkowitz himself because we can always believe a serial killer in custody they'd never lie to try no. to you know contrive a story to explain their actions away why Not would they yeah but uh, the book itself is sort of in part a record of Terry's struggle against the popularly held belief that Berkowitz perpetrated, one, all of the Son of Sam shootings, and two, did so alone. So that's largely what this book details. Moreover, it was an investigation by Terry and a handful of others, surprise, surprise, uh, that established a link between Berkowitz and a satanic cult operating in Westchester County, a link that uh, units of the New York Police Department were investigating for over two and a half years by the time the book came out. So there were people who were trying to track this down. I think there is actually a Netflix documentary talking about Sons of Sam that somewhat goes into some of this conspiracy as well, if you're looking for other things. There's a wealth of topics I'm pulling together here. Uh, Technically, in the course of this whole episode i will have five different threads that we're going to be spooling in so this is pretty widespread Ooh, i like it so 
the specific connections that Terry establishes between the Manson murders and the Son of Sam shootings is this. Although Manson and David Berkowitz never knew each other, they both still belonged at different times and on different coasts, obviously, to the same umbrella satanic cult organization called The Process. The Although Process? The Process. That, uh, trust me, it gets worse. No, I believe you, but really? I know. Uh-huh. A, they they should have they networked that. They should have, like, well, just... trust the process. No, uh, no. He's not from no, Philadelphia. He's yeah. not running with us. Man, that they could they could have definitely like sat on that. Oh name yeah, a yeah. Little bit I, a lot of these things could deal with a little spitballing here, and I'm not referring to a lewd act, but uh, moving workshop. On. That's the word. They could have workshopped it a little Indeed. bit better. Uh, Michael, prepare your nipples because you're about to get very excited. Also known as the Church of the Final Judgment, does that work a little <laughs> better for you? Uh, okay, yeah. Versus See, the process. They- they sat and had like at least a couple hours where they like spitball. They threw stuff at each other. Like, yeah, I still wish they had workshop that a, yeah, a little bit more. Like finesse it uh, to like the the church of the final countdown and could have had a theme song to it. <laughs> Wait, well, Ouch. was that song even out at the time? Like, I don't know. It might have been actually. Uh, I think we're Manson in 1988. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory. You're California dreaming if you think that that's true. But uh, all right. Uh, so it's it's no you know the church of the firstborn lamb of god or you know whatever the hell True. we got here but uh mm-hmm. so the church of the final judgment the process was begun by robert de grimston and that's a fun name to roll off the tongue who was in point of fact a disciple of l ron hubbard the creator of Scientology, as well as a student of the late Aleister Crowley, the notorious British occultist and practitioner of sex magic, who once described himself as the most wicked man in the world. Is his name bullshit? Because it was like Grimson or something? No, it is Robert de Grimston, and the D-E is lowercase, which is even more interesting. Oh, so he's like... Dutch or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was like Dead Grimson, Did Grimson, or so. Like no. you were doing a play on Dead a name. Dead Grimson. So. <laughs> yeah. No, he's all Robert de Grimstone. I <laughs> shall make him French for the duration. <laughs> so. Uh, well, is he really like like an acolyte? Yes. Like worked under both of them? Uh-huh. Which, it, to me, how you manage to sort of ride the rails between two opposing trains because between Scientology and Thelema, like those are pretty dramatically different ideologies. Now, granted, sex magic is a delight, but uh, I don't think anybody enjoyed it as much as Crowley did. There's a mm. lot of, you know, feces involved, but Elron Hubbard definitely did as well. Yeah, which, you're not wrong. You know, m- maybe if I get enough people yelling at me, I might do a part two and continue my Elron Hubbard. Or uh, if you're, you know, a fan of the last podcast on the left, like, uh, you know, Doc and myself, they have gone into excruciating detail discussing both Elron Hubbard and many of the things I've discussed uh, or will discuss on this episode in an odd, you know, turn of fate here. We like the same things, uh, those hosts and I, strangely That's right. We are a table, uh, a round table of gentlemen, if you will. Well played. So (laughs) according to Terry and that glorious book, DeGrinston, who now resides on 
on the East Coast for anybody who's trying to keep a watch out, uh, met Manson on at least one occasion in the spring of 1968 at a residence in Topanga Canyon. And I don't trust anybody from Topanga Canyon. I'm just going to put that on the record right here. Uh, I, I cast a suspicious glance your way if you say you are a resident of Topanga Canyon. But if you are, leave a comment. Topanga. Please. That that's the name of the girl from Boy Meets World too, wasn't it? It is. Yeah, I, that's I think the only it's one that I trust. Bizarre coincidence. I wouldn't <laughs> trust her either. Then? She's very lovely. No, Topanga Canyon <laughs> is a place. I kept thinking you were mispronouncing Topeka, Kansas. No, not Topeka, Kansas. It's Topanga <laughs> Canyon, California. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moreover, says Terry, de Grimston, de Grimston, traveled in some of the same social circles as Manson, and also, interestingly enough, Manson's victims. Now, here's where we start getting into the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon and all of this. This is Uh-oh. crazy. So, de Grimston also, strangely enough, was an associate of director Roman Polanski. And is credited as a consultant on Rosemary's Baby, specifically for sequences involving depictions of ritual magic. Because if you have somebody who is austere enough to have spent time conducting sex orgies with Aleister Crowley, probably has a decent idea of what a satanic ritual might look like, particularly if it's a fertility act. So, interesting enough. But then, Hmm. according to Terry, these and other affiliations were at least tangentially linked through to Grinston. Uh, as, of course, she was wed to Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate's social circle, which includes Jack Nicholson, Robert Evans, John and Michelle Phillips, Jay Sebring, so for those of you who enjoy, you know, Tarantino films, uh, Richard Dalton, Warren Beatty, James Stacy, Jane Fonda, Peter Sellers, Wojciech Frykowski, and Abigail Folger, big names at the time yeah. in, in mm-hmm. you know, the entertainment community. Dick Tracy himself. Dick Tracy, indeed. I love that damn movie. Me too. So uh, good. It's, uh, I don't. Uh, have you seen any of the little asides that he's done since, like, to keep the, uh, the rights to it? No, I have not. So, Beatty, like, he, uh, he owns the rights to the character Dick Tracy, right? And okay, so if yes. he doesn't produce something, like a film, uh, of it, you know, every X amount of years, he loses the, the rights to it, right? Right. So, uh, I think he's only done two so far, but, uh, he's done little interviews with AMC where he's got it like filed as a film so that, and he does it as the character of Dick Tracy. Wow. Uh, and so that he gets to be, they're both on YouTube. The, the first one was from like 2012. And I think the last one was just like within the past year. That is fascinating. I'm going to really? need to go look that up because yeah. I had nothing like I, I'm a goon for T-shirts, as you can tell, for anybody who's seen me on the show. Uh, I wore nothing but like Dick Tracy T-shirts in the third grade. Now, I was constantly clad in Dick Tracy apparel and I was obsessed with the comic strip and, of course, the movie. Uh, you'll, you'll you'll love it then because like uh, at one point, like Dick Tracy is talking to Warren Beatty and like mm-hmm. discussing about like. You know, the way he's been portrayed in films, right? You know, compared to the other two older actors that had done it. And he's like, ah, yeah, I just, some people say Beatty looks like me, but I I just don't see it, you know? Like, and then he references the older two actors like, they did me with style and stuff. Well done. Yeah, you'll dig it. I'm all over it. Uh, and in point of fact, it's one of the things I love every time I see an Apple watch. I'm always like, we live in the Dick Tracy-like future. Where we have officially, I can see someone's face on my wrist right now. And Madonna's face is morphing into a Dick Tracy Holy character. Holy fuck. <laughs> I, I wish that uh, Breathless Mahoney would go back to being the faceless entity and just run around, you know, completely covered. Because, yikes. She's starting to <laughs> look like Rocky from The Mask. I, it's terrifying. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> shots fired allegedly uh that that stops me from getting sued right okay <laughs> allegedly yes, uh, yes, allegedly don't worry yes. she's okay. not married to will smith you can mention her name all you want indeed i uh, might still get slapped by guy Ritchie, though who knows uh so moving on to yet another list so all of those actors in sharon tate's social circle of course then also overlap with the social circle maintained by charles manson uh who he's most often associated with of course doris day's son terry melcher and beach boy dennis wilson who are marginally linked from stories also involving DeGrinston's activities. So, plot thickens. Uh, this also includes some lavish parties and ritual exhibitions of Crowley's infamous sex magic, which DeGrinston took great delight in performing for onlookers at every impasse and opportunity, because why not? If you can get some Hollywood starlets into a room and say, oh yes, we're, we'll be performing sex, sex magic this evening. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's shield there. your it's eyes. Presented. Yeah, <laughs> they give everybody <laughs> trash bags at the at the start of the show, and you just walk in and try to stay out of the blast zone. Uh, so, still another social circle also revolves around Mama Cass Elliot. I'm not going to make a joke about her weight here. I could say that it was gravitational pull that caused the circle, but no. Uh, Ooh, bad and then you did. Uh, <laughs> this also includes uh, Terry and someone else that Terry labels in the book called Manson 2. Now, I have Electric not read. Boogaloo? I have not read this book. I do not know any of the assertions beyond this. I don't care to because this sounds just, you know, beyond the you know eighth planet of Saturn here. But uh there is a character called Charles Manson 2 that exists that is also a part of this satanic cabal. I will take that out of the running. That is not a lie. I did not make this up. This is something purported in this book. No, you, your lies are better than that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we are five of them in already, so oh, you might disagree with that fuck. as we move on. But Damn. according to Terry, Manson 2 is as terrible a figure as Charles Manson himself actually is, and very clearly a Satanist. I don't know how this assertion is made. Again, I didn't read the book. I apologize <laughs> to those of you listening who expected it. I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't have someone I can pay to do this research for me. Uh, the link, of course, between Charles Manson and additional satanic cults is nothing new. Uh, in his 1971 book, The Family, Ed Sanders also described how in 68 Manson was involved not only with the process, but with a chapter of another cult known as the OTO, which is the Ordo Templis Orientis, whose headquarters at, in this particular faction were in Blythe, California. Now, since we've been talking about Crowley, it's important to note the first in the first incarnation of OTO. It was British in origin and was intended to be modeled after and associated with European Freemasonry. How? Who, who would base themselves out of Blythe, California? Your guess is as good as mine. I have That's been through Blythe. Bullshit? That's not bullshit. No. I know. As, as someone who lived in Lake Havasu City for long enough, yeah, Blythe is not worth a stopover. So I, yeah, you, you fill up before you, in Arizona before you pass the state line because mm -hmm. Blythe is on the state line. Because as soon as you pass over, you're dealing with at least two dollars more in gas. So you fill up in, I think, well, Quartzsite is a little couple miles before. Yeah, then, or but like, you I know, can't remember the town that, like, depending upon where you're where Kingman. you're running. But you I know. guess if you're heading south, I'm I'm thinking if you're taking Bullhead the, City. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't. That's you don't Nevada. stop in Blythe. You don't. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't right. stop in Blythe. No, at all. Never. So, not even when bizarre. Threatened. So, I, I guess 
I guess they had a satanic cabal there. Hey, that's what happens when you stop in Blythe, that's apparently. You, you succumb to the devil, yeah. yes. Huh. It's like Makes a sense. bad 60s film. Uh, so in the first incarnation of the OTO, it's British in origin, uh, of course, and was intended to be modeled after and associated with European Freemasonry. However, in the early 1900s, English author and occultist Aleister Crowley, who was introduced to the order in early 1910s, assumed the role as the head of the OTO, despite there being a very valid debate about whether or not this was something his predecessor actually agreed to, or whether Crowley assumed control by force. If you listen to the last podcast episodes on Aleister Crowley, they talk about they have wizards duels, where he shows up with a couple of his associates and they take over the order of the OTO by force it's delightful very entertaining you'll mm. you'll have a blast so uh feel free to go peruse those but yes he's actually turned back several times because they changed the locks on him they called the police ah. and his magic apparently was not strong enough to get past either of those things on the initial runs but eventually he does make it in he didn't level up his lock magic skill he shouldn't have done like illusion or transmorphication or something like that. Not enough PP oh. for the uh, for the maneuver, unfortunately. Definitely not <laughs> enough PP. Uh, but while maintaining many of the core elements of Freemasonry and, of course, the intentions of its initial founders, later OTO would change dramatically under Crowley's leadership. Uh, of note, uh, the guiding philosophy of the OTO from this point onwards became Crowley's sort of own self-created syncretic occult system, Thelema, and you can imagine what happens after this. So a lot of uh, numerology and discussions uh, from, you know, Egyptian mythology, which is delightful. Uh, due to this change, of course, the OTO no longer claimed to make uh, masons, but instead made magicians. So it is not completely outside of the realm of possibility that then an offshoot of OTO then focuses purely on satanic activities. Is that a lie? That is not a lie. Uh, yes, I know. That's. Uh, but uh, in any event, you are no longer required to be a Freemason to uh, get membership into the OTO from that point forward. So flashing forward dramatically into the United States in the 1960s, the leader of this particular chapter of OTO was Georgina Brayton, a longtime Satanist who believed that a racial war between blacks and whites in Los Angeles would erupt in the summer of 1969. This notion of a race war was, of course, also one of the key themes in Manson's vision of Helter Skelter. So there's a lot of people coming to the same dramatically ludicrous conclusion at the same time. The most frightening aspect of what Terry's book on the subject implies, of course, is that uh, most of the satanic groups involved in crime in the 70s were still in place and active. And this is in the late 80s. So this helps to kind of foment this, you know, dread that all of these satanic groups are orchestrating one, not only whatever violence you might see and the ritual abuse, etc., but also that you've got serial killers that are a part of this shared cabal. And there's like Otis tool was a, a part of this and, and claimed a, a satanic cult that was involved. Like there's a slew of other, you know, serial killers that all get brought into the fore yeah, here. It's, when it's you're interesting because it. when thinking about it, it's like on one hand, you're like in the 1980s that people could believe there was this cabal, you know, secret society you know thing happening with serial killer like just the danger that was ever present mm -hmm. it, it's hard to believe that people could believe that but then at the same time you start thinking well who's actually going to believe this and it's going to be the same people that believe a big invisible man in the sky is watching you 24 7 and well, it's like okay well i guess if you're going to buy into that then the 
cabal of killers is really not such a stretch. Well, it also builds on sort of the primary fundamentalist belief in, you know, the Christian faith that you are acting in opposition to the devil at all times and the devil's trying to subvert your will constantly and tempt you, etc. So obviously, if you have sort of his emissaries on the earthly plane or out there also trying to subvert, they're going to do so in ways that sow violence and discontent and all these other things. So yeah, not completely out of the realm of possibility. And I feel like you're going to cover this eventually, uh, because you kind of already hinted at it. Mm -hmm. But I definitely would say that the media had a lot to do with at least maintaining and spreading this sort of fear, because I'm thinking back to when I was a child. I, I, I remember America's Most Wanted. I remember a lot of those other TV shows. And this was in the 90s, mm-hmm. like after the satanic panic already started dying down. Like, I can't even imagine at, at the peak what was oh. going on on TV at that point. Yeah, like Phil but, Donahue, but, I'm sure, you know, Geraldo and stuff were probably fueling some of this stuff for sure. We have and some then, discussion yeah. on Geraldo coming up. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I know you hinted at it earlier, yes. so I'm excited to see that explanation added to this conversation. Yes, I'm also chuckling to myself at how dense I'm looking at this, because like I'm five pages in on my my ten pages of the presentation for part one, and I'm like, oh, we're yeah, we're only fifty minutes in. That's fine. But uh, I mean, if you find a if you find a stopping point, we can we can oh, no. pull, a, pull I, a dock and go go four four parter for no, a two parter. <laughs> I don't think I need to expend that. I can we'll, we'll keep this going, but. Okay. Uh, naturally, he insists that uh, the police were, of course, very much aware that these organizations were in play and that Satanism, you know, was just widespread. And they would, of course, swap information with him. But, of course, the police were slow to publicly proclaim that a vast threat was posed by Satanist activities. So, obviously, this is why this wasn't more widespread at the time. Furthermore, Terry claims that uh, these Satanists became increasingly involved in child pornography and cocaine distribution at this time as well. And it was was the 80s. And a lot of pizza places around then. Indeed. Just, it's, they're they're basically culling, like, every sort of... uh, disgusting or aberrant act and just throwing it on top of the pyre where they're like, Hey, everything sticks to Satan. This is why we needed my man, Robert Stack out there helping us solve these unsolved mysteries. Join me (laughs) as we delve into this week's unsolved mysteries. Love me some Robert Stack. Anywho, uh, as Terry is quoted as saying, if you've got an organization that can boast David Berkowitz and Charlie Manson among their members, then you've got a fairly dangerous organization, and there's no indication that they're stopping. Very compelling argument. Well done. So, no, incl- no inclination, no indication. Seems legit to me. Now we're actually going to put the rubber to the road, and we're going to get away from all these things oh. where they're just presupposing that there are these, you know, sort of uh, entanglements and elites like the reptilian elite leading everything. We're going to actually oh. get into some of the reality that manifests out of the idea that, you know, Satanism is inspiring these murderers. So were this proposition that Satanic murders were occurring with great regularity in an overarching scheme to undermine and overthrow American society based on one or two isolated incidents might be a little ineffectual. However, Terry's book came on the heels of yet another satanic scare in the city of Los Angeles a mere three years 
prior. The Night Stalker murders of Richard Ramirez, which I referred to previously. So, uh, plenty of material here. Of course, all the last pod material you can find. There's also a really great, uh, quick documentary series on Netflix called Night Stalker that goes into some of the detail on this. Really well done. I literally think of the Night Stalker every night in this house since I've moved here. Because, mm. yeah, uh, because apparently, I guess he went around and would like try to open doors. And if yes. the door was unlocked, he took it as an invitation. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, then he'd go in and commit his grisly crimes. And would also just and, hang out in the house for hours as well. Yeah. And so I, you know, I often during the daytime and stuff will go walk out, you know, in the backyard and stuff with Cordelia and whatnot. And so then I'm just in and out all the time through the back door okay. uh, during the day. So it's unlocked the whole time. Right. And so every night before I go upstairs to bed, I like, make an effort to go all the way to the back of the house and make sure the door is locked and whatnot. Because I always think, I literally think of this guy every night. Cause I'm like, if the door's unlocked, that's an invitation. <laughs> Better make sure it's locked. So whoever will just move on fast. Yeah. That also plays, it falls in line. Also like the East area rapist was occurring here, uh, you know, later in the eighties and nineties. Like it's, you can go all over the place, particularly in California. Uh, people were comfortable leaving their doors unlocked up until we hit this era. So, uh, Ramirez, of course, committed his murder spree in 1985 while America was fully ensconced in the satanic panic sweeping the country throughout the decade. Anxiety over Satanists and evil conspiracies were, of course, at an all time high and narratives told by people in therapy about ritual abuse by secret satanic rings showed many common elements. But of course, as Michael, Michael indicated in his episode, there's no evidence to this in actuality. Yeah. Whole masses of individuals developed similar physical symptoms that were primarily emotional in origin. And the idea of ritual abuse was heavily promoted by journalists, therapists, physicians, drug companies, and whoever else might have some stake in the game. And thus, Ramirez himself would actually claim... Under hypnosis, some recollection of a ritual performed by his cousin, Miguel Mike Ramirez, who it should be noted, uh, Richard claimed as kind of his mentor in psychopathy, sexual assault and murder. He actually murdered his girlfriend or his wife in front of Richard when he was a kid. Oh, shit. Uh, he came back from Vietnam and basically taught him sort of sexual sadism uh, based on his experiences from the Vietnam War. Like, yeah, it's harrowing stuff to listen to uh and so uh ramirez recalls an instance where candles were lit all around the room blood was then subsequently scattered and richard's soul was offered to an entity called belial to quote unquote initiate him as a son of lawlessness and destruction terms which are often applied to belial in ancient hebrew texts the phrase is referring to the sons of belial specifically sorry let me oh are you spelling that b-a-a-l no, it's B E L I A L. Huh? Is, is that is that bullshit? There's never... a lot of different names for that. It's, okay. it's a, another name for Satan. There's a slew oh, okay, of other. Okay, okay. But uh, go ahead, Doc. Oh, I was gonna say, is the Micromeris thing bullshit? As him being the individual and who tutored him. As well, I guess as his name. His name is is Mike. Yes, he's cousin okay. Mike. Okay, because like I know Mike Ramirez is like also like a famous cartoonist and stuff, so I was like maybe he's yep, trying to nope. squeeze that in there. Cousin so Mike I mean, was actually the one. Uh, in yeah, if you go through to look at any of the Richard Ramirez stuff, it's galling. Uh, and and as, as a fellow Mike, you should know that there are a lot of Michaels out there in the world. 
Uh, so the chance of there being multiple Michael Ramirez. Oh, of course. I, I also feel bad because I commonly refer to Michael as Miguel, uh, pretty routinely. <laughs> and since that is his given name was Miguel Ramirez. It's, uh, anyway. So, uh, did I clarify that sufficiently for both of you in the course of asking questions? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes. All right. So. Other serial killers, of course, also were caught up in the mania of a Satan-obsessed society. During that decade, Robert Burdella claimed to have killed six men in Missouri for satanic purposes. Uh, mostly this involved, like, dismembering bodies and then leaving the bodies on the stoop for trash pickup. I, I have As no idea do. how that pertains to Satan, but he claimed it. So, it's again, it's just scintillating. I mean, Satan always believed in bulk trash day. Indeed. Like, you know, he, he was like, and on the seventh day, leave your bulk trash out and it will be picked up Big believer that you don't put your bins too close to each other as well. Oh, yes. Don't want to drop air. Do. Heaven forbid. He, I, am, I am the Lord of lies and the Lord of flies. So we must have the garbage all together at once and uh, stank. Funny, though, not a big recycler. No, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll, burn it. I'll breeze through this because again, it just kind of talks to the, the fervency of the claim of Satan inspired killing. But, uh, these are not people that you're going to need to pay much attention to in most instances other than like, Got so it. there's, uh, Antoine Costa who killed four women in Cape Cod. And it's just reported that they were, the killings were done in a ritual fashion. Uh, one Thomas Creech admitted to performing 47 satanic sacrifices when he was taken into custody. A gentleman named Larry Eiler buried four of his 23 victims under a barn that he marked with an inverted pentagram. Like oh. it's, there's just a lot of bizarre connective Edgy tissues there. Uh, <laughs> nurse Donald Harvey suspected in the deaths of 47 patients admitted to a fascination with black magic. Uh, Leonard Lake, another, uh, last pod famed, uh, killer uh who was also connected with charles ing uh, in a series of torture murders was purportedly affiliated with a coven of witches as well and spin kicks as we will note from the last pod episode uh mass murderer <laughs> so adrian Veidt, uh who's listed as one killer initially uh targeted homeless men and ringed the victims in a circle of salt like Unhoused you do men. Thank you're, you. You're not mm -hmm. coming after me. I've got you in a circle of salt. And then finally in Bangor, Maine, teenager Edward Kasbrack, claiming to desire the devil's affection, murdered his parents while they slept in early 1979. Is that a Stephen King episode? You like, know well, it is. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Bangor, Maine. I know that's a real city. But nothing happens there unless it's a Stephen King novel. Yeah, as also, soon as I heard the main, I was going to do it, too. Well done, Also, uh, if you can't, tell me where Eddie Kasprek's from. Oh, that is also from It. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Then, All never right. Mind. I, uh, I was thinking of Bangor. I didn't process his name. But yes, yeah. This okay. this list really frustrated me because they just talked about, like, as, as I was saying, the, the mass murderer that put um, circles of salt around homeless men. That was just listed as one killer. I had to go and do research to find the individual's name. And then it's like, and then a teenager claiming to desire the devil's affection murdered his parents while they slept in 79. I was like, you got to help me out here. You can't just yeah. throw like Don't random just... unattributed murders out and say, oh, it's that... all Satanism. You Don't caught the lie. Me. You caught the lie, Mike. But of note, that was a list lie. You did kind of sneak it into the list. There. I did. Touche. 
Indeed. Touche. There's also uh, prior list lies there as well. I knew so it. Uh, I knew it. I, I, oh, I knew it. I know. No. <laughs> you that dirty was rat. my bad, and I helped facilitate those lies by saying, oh, he wanted Stoop that low to do a list lie. <laughs> I appreciate I you helping Stoop, me out, though. And I say Stoop because he has used that sort of terminology before. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and so then I backed off of them all. And then this uh, one, I was like, and then you caught this one because, you know, kind of an obvious one. But then I was like, wait a second, that was a list. Oh. No. <laughs> well, you know, it's fine. We're, you're, you're eight lies in at this point. You got a couple left in front of you. And you caught Ugh. the one that I hoped was like, I'm going to leave them one so that we feel better if they haven't gotten anything else. You got Eddie Kasprek. So congrats. You are both decent, you know, constant readers at the very least. I'll take a pity lie. All I right. always do. I try to give you one at least every show. I take a pity lie anytime I can. <laughs> Easy. Lie. <laughs> Chloe two times. <laughs> Was it the first or the second? That's the question. But, Why not both? <laughs> Double uh, to- Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, uh, just there's, like the Oreo. Dear God. <laughs> there's a, a number of... I, man, There's I provided so many details in this just because I got carried away. So, um, one of John Wayne Gacy's uh, former associates, Robin Gecht, also uh, led a group of three other boys uh, called the Ripper Crew, which killed 18 women that, uh, you know, they would cut the, the person into pieces afterwards and then eat it. Claiming they were ostensibly worshiping Satan, uh, and it was like demonic communion. Like, yeah, this there's crazy stuff all over. Two so, of the uh, two of the people that you mentioned had 47 victims, which I thought was interesting. That two of them both had 47. Mm-hmm. That just jumped out at me because 47 is a big oh. recurring number in the Star Trek franchise. Oh, uh, that's it. Interesting connection. Okay. I was going to ask about the nurse because was the nurse associated with Satanism? Because I know that there was a nurse that loved to. Um, put people down that they that she thought were suffering, and so I got connections between the nurse that you were talking about and this other serial killer nurse that I can't remember her hmm. name too. But the whole idea was that it was it was like Munchausen syndrome, of Munchausen sorts, by but, proxy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like, a I, little different, but uh, yeah, I I, I got uh, you. Yeah, that's why I was like, was that bullshit? Was that actually no, tied? that was actually tied in, yes. Oh, okay, uh, it's, okay. That was so a there's throwaway. just a bunch of different nurses. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, okay. uh, it, it's an easy field to get away with dispatching folks, uh, which Very is true. unfortunate. But if you're, yeah, if you're sadistic, uh, it's why you hear a lot of uh, accusations leveled against nursing homes, strangely enough, because yep. you can, yeah. you have credibility against somebody who's enfeebled that you can claim that, oh, yeah, no, I didn't do anything to them. They although, fell down. Or they're, although they're in not- defense of both CNAs and nurses as well in nursing homes, they are also like the <clears throat> uh, really bad areas to work at because yeah. you are constantly yeah. like sexually assaulted, sexually harassed because these Oh old, yeah, 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 old we're, creepy men are squeezing butts and whatnot mm-hmm. as you walk on by, and they get yeah, violent and stuff too. So I think goes, if this yeah. was the job that you did after your journeyman carpentry was no. uh, you were working in a nursing home. No, my, two years. No, my my dissertation and my study was on uh, CNA turnover in the long term care facility industry. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah and so I thank mean, you, doctor. Yeah, the the whole job <laughs> itself. The whole job itself is just like it's a very difficult job to do, God, regardless of just, if you're being. Yeah, which is like I spoke to a couple hundred CNAs, you know, regarding this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's a pretty rough industry. Just to chime in, it's like, you know, every once in a while, like basically what I'm saying is if when the the odd old guy gets offed, sometimes I wonder, yeah, but what did he do to the nurse? 
Yeah. What do you do to the nurse? <laughs> Probably deserved it, the old fuck. God damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not an ass man. <laughs> All right. So. Going back around to the original point I was looking to make, uh, is uh, Richard Ramirez, of course, in addition to all these other individuals, possessed a very similar devilish fixation. He crept through the deepening dark, dressed in black with his trademark ACDC hat, surreptitiously entering homes, amassing over 18 victims in the process. His M.O., of course, shifted from scene to scene, cloying his work as a singular monstrous maniac and leading the papers to suspect multiple individuals for much of the investigation. Was it an ACDC hat? Yes, it was an ACDC. Okay. You should know this if you were paying attention. Uh, well, I, for some reason, I thought Led Zeppelin for a moment, so then I was no. questioning it. So then, uh, ACDC has a song called "Night Stalker," right, 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 which was one of his. It, it it's odd. It's a coincidence that the name got you know attributed to him at that point, but oh. It was just coincidental, or uh, were they like because he had an ACDC? No, it was no, it was purely coincidental. He, he just Aww. yeah, he just liked ACDC. It was his type of music, and of course, Hell's Bells. All you know, a lot of the yeah, other yeah, similar yeah, trends yeah. here. So I can see ACDC, but I wasn't sure if they attributed that name because of it. Or I, if it I was think yeah, I think it was purely coincidental. Oh, that's uh, a shame. I mean, cool, but still a shame. Well, he was very pleased with because the lyrics. It's it's mostly about a a guy who pops in to you know enjoy a little loving with a with a lady in the evenings it's it's oh. not as insidious as you would expect but uh similar Fair. enough he shows up at night creeping through doors and things like that so there's enough parallels but anyway uh, i digress it was not until ramirez left a pentagram written with lipstick on the wall and on the leg of a victim that investigators drew the connection to satanic worship they were also concerned that he was a copycat of Charles Manson at the time, mm -hmm. based on the, you know, the piggies, epithets, and people being mutilated, etc. I could see that, yeah. Way later, though? That far later, they thought he was a copycat? Yes. I mean, he I was mean, already in not... the public consciousness by then. It doesn't matter. At that point, once he's in the public consciousness, it doesn't matter That's how true, long yeah. it is. Well, also, yeah. we were like, just talking about the fact there were books still being written about Manson connectivity into the late 80s, and this is like 79. So this was – people were still very much taken with the whole Manson. And Manson, of course, at this point is in prison, like carving swastikas into his forehead and Honestly, at this and, point, I'm just – pot shot you know out there for lies because i'm like man there's still a couple Fair. of them out there so I i'm just you. like <laughs> no 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 worries no worries honestly that is one way to play and i'm usually the incorrect way i usually play it differently and i don't it's also I don't enjoy it good luck getting me to stop talking but uh in any event <laughs> in the following years uh he would l leave more of these pentagrams behind and would also tell his victims to swear to satan instead of god and sometimes he removed the eyes of his victims as if for a ritual. And when he was finally arrested, which is one of the more entertaining stories, he gets beaten by the general public uh, yeah. as he's running around, which is a pretty delightful story. But in any event, Ooh. Ramirez reportedly said he was a minion of Satan sent to commit the Dark One's dirty deeds. And on Cheap? Were they done dirt cheap? In fact, they were. All right, yeah, I was going to say, good. is that he a lie didn't specifically because of the dirty say deeds? That. I'm yeah. not, it just, I said it because it's a turn of phrase, okay? Okay, yeah. Right. exaggerating, not necessarily the lie, yes, that's I fair. know you want to redeem yourselves, but calm down. <laughs> 
on September the 20th, 1989, Ramirez was convicted of 13 counts of murder, five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. None of those are lies, just to make you feel better. And although he's assumed to have committed many more crimes, he was sentenced to death, but uh, in a wonderful turn of karma, uh, in 2013, died of cancer in prison, having served 23 Ooh. years on death row. See, was you it, say that's was a wonderful it really turn cancer? Of- yes. No, no, no. Yeah, it you was. say okay. that's a wonderful turn of karma, but to me, not no, because no, he got, he died of natural causes. Like the man just, got, um, the man got to just live his life. Are you? Yeah. Well, it depends on the cancer. If it was just something where he woke up one day and they're like, ah, you're gonna just die in your sleep in two years or something like that, I'd be like, all right. But if it was something. Like cancer usually isn't something that you just go peacefully into the night. Right. So I'm like, no, no, I like no. that better well, so, than just being no, put out. No, he, what I'm saying is, is that he didn't, he didn't get, he didn't die as a result of his crimes. Had well, he been on the street or whatever, he, he still would have got uh, cancer. It was right. still would have been a shitty thing that happened. He to him. was incarcerated but, for a decent enough time that I'm sure he wasn't, uh, you know, and he was denied a last meal. If we can harken back to the, you know, the joys sure. of the Sure, but the cancer treatments and stuff that I'm sure he did and had to go through and stuff right. probably cost the taxpayers a fortune, I'm no sure. Doubt. So, so that's kind no, of what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point. valid point. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So Ramirez, of course, had perceived in the culture around him. He was not far from where teachers had been arrested in 1983 at the McMartin Preschool, of course, and yeah. with the Satanists being accused of uh, corrupting children that naturally people were terrified of the devil, and thus to him probably meant aligning himself with the Prince of Darkness could empower him in a unique way, exploiting a wellspring of terror in the hearts of the general public to make his crimes all the more gruesome. And thus he exploited the fear of Satanism, which was very popular at the time. Uh, And so uh, he took the cue from the song Night Prowler, which I alluded to earlier, which noted how the person who made others afraid was the person in control. And thus, we'll run through, uh, at his preliminary hearing when he was taken into custody, uh, Ramirez flashed a pentagram he had tattooed onto the palm of his hand and yelled, Hail Satan, to the courtroom as he was being ushered out, which then got put into newspaper headlines and whipped up a fervor in the general public, the likes of which certainly crested on the wave of all of the other nonsense that was occurring at the time, so... Uh, upon his conviction, when he was issued this, the death sentence, he offered, I'll be in hell then with Satan. Adding Ramirez's <laughs> exploits into the stew of panic already existing in the American consciousness, exacerbated by books like Maury Terry's, you have a striking point for all of the frustration, anxiety, terror, and turmoil alive in the hearts and minds of the nation. Satanism is an insidious, deadly, and rapidly spreading epidemic. I so this was I was going to continue on with this into the the end of part three or in the end of part one here, but I think I can roll this over into part two, depending upon would you rather have more on the back end or uh, would you like me to finish this next segment mm. and get out of here? More in the back There's or still, more in the front? I, I still have a couple. Uh, yes, there are still two lies in the subsequent sections here. And in the upcoming section, this is, I'm assuming, when uh, Geraldo gets brought up? Um, uh, no. I think Geraldo is is uh, into part two. Okay. Well, what do you say, Mike? I don't know. I, I do like a little bit more junk in the trunk, okay. so uh, 
I'm all right with part two being a little bit more heftier, if you will. Well, then I, I imagine we can leave that there. Uh, that means we will amend. Don't shake your head at me, Doc, <laughs> talking about all these other innuendos well, right when we start the episode. Here, I'll, I'll give you a tease, and then we'll see whether or not y'all still feel like uh, running into this. Because, again, I have plenty of material for part two on top of this as well. Just not lies yet. So... Uh, this is not, of course, to imply that all of this nonsense involving this panic was uniquely an American experience either. The serpentine slither of Satanist fear was also alive and well across the pond. On October the 3rd, 1990, a presentation on Great Britain's Channel 4, ITV for those of you playing the home game, promised viewers solid evidence of Satanism for the first time on British television. That is a quote. The show was based on stories elicited from children describing bizarre ceremonies that included cooking babies in microwaves, killing sheep and drinking their blood, and sexual abuse conducted in tunnels beneath cemeteries, evoking the climax of the D&D panic in Michael's prior episode. The feature's climax, of course, was a torchlight visit to the Rock Cemetery, a dilapidated graveyard in Nottingham, where where viewers were taken into alcoves and tunnels to see half-burned candles, graffiti, and, quote-unquote, something that looks like a little altar. Man, microwaves back in the day must have been way bigger than today. I couldn't fit a baby in my microwave even if I tried. Is the guy saying that, you know, the the guy who died from cancer died too good, and he's like, oh, yeah, cooking babies, that's a good joke. Well, because he wasn't <laughs> able to be taken across the brown mile. I I made it very clear. My issue was Ramirez being a drain on our taxpayer dollars and oh, not getting the justice that he deserved. I wanted the man to have to walk the green mile. I'm sure your, your property taxes escalated mile. due to all of that California-based serial killer activity. But... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so there you go. That is a babies is totally fine. Uh, as a brief uh, dip of the toe into the water, or my microwave has a popcorn setting and a baby setting. Thank you very much. I'm sure your daughter will enjoy shape. both. Uh... He's got a bit. Let him. Let him. Let him finish. Let him cook. <laughs> Yikes! He's just gonna keep interrupting. Oh, so. you know, usually I have a high power setting for my baby microwave, but you know. <laughs> I, I don't know what else he was going with with the bit. If you leave him in too long, you wind up with just baby gravy, and nobody wants that. Well, and you, you gotta make gotta sure put you, put, a- you gotta put the cover on the baby because otherwise, you just have to clean the microwave afterwards. It's just a big pain. Baby, baby. there we go. That's what I was hoping for more from that. You know, if you put in a little shot glass of water in the corner, it actually keeps the baby from drying out too much, yeah. and so it's. And, and if, if you put a wooden a mi- spoon in the baby's mouth, it doesn't bubble over in the pot. It, so. That's true. And if well, you turn course, on the fan, yeah. it covers up the baby cries. If your microwave has one of those uh, exhaust fans attached to it, like above your stove. Necessary, yeah. The hell kind of... Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were saying like, oh, uh, yeah, it's an exhaust, uh, like an exhaust microwave. It's gas powered, so you need to turn on the exhaust out there. <laughs> what What the hell kind of fan are you talking about? All okay, right, we're moving away it. from dispatching infants into the end of this episode, thankfully. Oh, man. We are talking about Satanism, so I guess we can get into more of the kid killing next time. 
So, uh, we'll, you'll get to wait for a discussion about, uh, wampirs, uh, wandering the nightlands in, uh, in the UK, in addition to a lengthy discussion on metal music and the devil and, of yes. course, then the West Memphis Three to end everything out. So. Ooh, okay. Good times had by all. But so, for this initial foray, anybody have any further stabs other than babies before we call this thing quits? So there's still two lies that there are additional two lies. So yes, for this, technically we only have eight eight lies in this episode then. Okay. You got one of them and just the one. And I think the one that you got, I think was the very last one. Yes. The the one that you got was technically the last lie in the episode then, which was Eddie Kasprak. I wasn't holding on to anything. Okay. I, I, I did, but then like I eventually said it later. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I don't else. remember the list too well. I don't blame so. you. Okay, well, uh, the first one was, of course, to list lie. Uh, as I was running through the various Satan-related killings, uh, the infamous demise of actress Natalie Wood had absolutely nothing to do with the devil. She was uh, on a boat oh. and she disappeared. Uh, that was not attributed to Satanism in any way, shape, or form. But, of course, everybody was so caught up in somebody being caught in a, a, a bee uh, hive that uh, we, well, we funny, just missed I knew Christopher that. Walken was involved. I can't remember mm-hmm. the other actor. Like the actor, it's her oh, husband. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was uh, it, the number two the in Austin Powers movies for those of you playing home game. Don't remember yeah. his damn name. Besides, was there, were there two actors in Austin Powers movies? Shut the fuck up. The character's name was number two. Who does oh. number two work for? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Sorry, I thought you were saying they were the number two, like, in most importance. Ba, ba, uh, my bad. Ba, da, da. Ba, da, da. All right. So that was number <laughs> one lie. Natalie Wood, nothing to do with that. Uh, so uh, our good friend, and I've, his first name has just completely slipped my mind, Robert de Grimston. Had Ugh. no affiliation whatsoever with Roman Polanski. Uh, uh, had nothing to do uh, with, Ro- with Rosemary's Baby. That was knew, purely I, Shane contrivance. I, I knew there was some lie around there because when I asked like about the name, when when I brought him up, you like paused to be like, "What aspect or, or whatever?" Like, so I knew like there was something. But mm. ah, damn, should have kept sniffing. Indeed, but I hadn't said the lie yet when you were asking that question. Oh, hopped so, in too early. Even Damn. better, yes. You were just worried <laughs> about his name. So, uh, naturally. Uh, and now. Um, I, I do want to give the name for number two from Austin Powers. That was Robert Wagner. Thank you. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to not leave us uh, uninformed. And had a child with Natalie Wood as well, who is uh, oh. 49 years old as of this year and uh, still, you know, a wonderful human being. I'm not going to remember her name either, but uh, it's par for the eh. course. All right. Now, I'm not uh, looking that one up, though. More cheap list lies because I just love dogpiling. Whoa. Okay. I blame you, I you, a, I blame you I've for made this. A, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development as of late, and I have to say I've made a huge mistake. So, Congrats. I, yeah. There's no money in this banana regret. stand. This was another There's one where. There's always money in the banana stand. Sorry. I, I, I had anticipated that uh, somebody might be paying attention. But then uh, I apparently am the only uh, Tarantino acolyte on the call at this point. So uh, when we were talking about associates of Sharon Tate, uh, I said Richard Dalton, otherwise known as Rick Dalton, otherwise known as Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh. And uh, I assumed if anybody would have gotten that, that would have been sufficient. So I, I threw that in in addition to an actual real life individual, James Stacy. 
who was uh, actually portrayed by Timothy Oliphant in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but was actually based <laughs> on a real actor. Uh, so both of those were lies included in the list with uh, Robert Evans, Jack Nicholson, uh, John and Michelle Phillips, Jay Sebring, Warren Beatty, Jane Fonda, Peter Sellers, Wojciech Frykowski, and Abigail Folger. Two lies in a single list. Two lies in a single list. Damn. Uh, right, oh, one right man. after the other because I assumed Ooh. if I did if I didn't get you with the first one, the second one would skirt by. And a it's because we stopped talking about Warren Beatty. And, oh, yes, we did. Yeah. Yep. But, Which, uh, by the way, it's, uh, Dick Tracy zooms in. It came out earlier this year. Okay, I, rem- I remembered it as we were. Chatting. I'll include it in the show notes for those who want to go check it out. Just make it a little yeah, easier. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. Yeah. So that takes us through uh, lies three and four at that point, and then lie number five: uh, DeGrinston's activities for other people, which of course included lavish parties and ritual exhibitions of Crowley's infamous sex magic. He he didn't perform sex magic in front of people. That was not something that uh, oh. was commonly associated. <laughs> he was associated with our good friend Crowley, but yeah, he he wasn't that. As far as I know, he wasn't running around doing these exploitations for for other people. He just pops out on a stage, like, uh, because Arrested Development Final Countdown plays. He's, tonight, I will perform for you several sex acts in the form of magic. Indeed, and then, and then Red Hot Chili Peppers come out and, yeah, uh, yeah. play oh, Suck My Kiss. I was going to go with, a. Uh, I was going to go with Kiss, actually, the band, just because when he said tonight, I thought it was like, I'm going to give it all to you. <laughs> Very telling the choice of musical acts that we went with for this. Uh, both good, both good, both good. I would say, I would say. I'm going to patently disagree with that, but anyway, moving on. Uh, now, this my, one, mine tied in a little bit. Knights in Satan service. I mean, come on. And the red hot chili peppers, obviously, things associated with you know the devil coming out of your asshole. So it's just similar. <laughs> All right, number six, you both were sniffing around it so vigorously, uh, but you both were poking down in the wrong spots. So, uh, Ramirez's claim under hypnosis that he remembered a ritual that was performed around him by his cousin, he didn't claim that there was any sort of ritual to sell his soul to the devil. That never happened. His cousin was, in fact, Miguel Mike Ramirez and did teach him all of these things. And uh, Belial is actually uh. an entity that is attributed to being the devil in the Hebrew texts. So all of those things were true. Uh, just, uh, you know, Ramirez did not claim anything happened to him under hypnosis. He just elected to be uh. devilish. And uh, he was taught by uh, Mike many, many things. It just, you know, wasn't any sacrifice there. So that's lie number six. Uh, lie number seven Damn. is uh, a mass murderer by the name of Adrian Veidt who I said, of course, was uh, attributed to just being one killer. Adrian Veidt is uh, a character in the Watchmen mythology. And uh, ah. yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But t- for no, Ozymandias fans out there, you would yeah. know Adrian was, in Look fact, a notorious mass killer. And of course, then you caught line number eight in Bangor, Maine, the teenager Edward Kasprak, who claimed his parents trying to get the devil's affection. And that so, what is was it, the four? eight lies. Four out of eight were list lies, is that right? Or is it five out of eight? Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't rub it in. Jeez, uh, I the learned only my reason, lesson. I will say in Michael's defense, the only reason I incorporated list lies is that there were so many lists involved in the research that, I was looking fair. through, mm-hmm. specifically talking about social circles, talking about killers that were also attributing their works to Satan. Like there was so many of these where they were showing a proliferation of people. It's like, well, I want to use the lists because it does show how widespread this panic was, particularly within the killer community of, hey, it's an easy scapegoat. Like, yeah, the devil made me do it. Jodie Foster made me do it. Uh, you know, when you were doing Jodie Foster can make me do a lot of things. Easy. When you were doing the <laughs> recap of Michael's past, kind of like summarizing what he had done in the past, I was half expecting you to try to slip a lie in there. So I was kind of like waiting to see if I should try. And then I was like, what's the point? I'm not going to call it out because Michael would probably catch it if it was going to be there. But I was kind of half expecting you to get one of those like subversive lies of summarizing Michael's stuff. And slipping in a some a lie of something he didn't say, but see if he could get it past him. He's not Courtney, and he's already called out Courtney for previous for doing that previously it's, today. I was gonna say it's also it's just <laughs> it's not something I I one don't often go over other people's material. That's I haven't really revisited other people's topics, uh, but two. I, if you start lying when you're doing an intro to the show to familiarize people with the subject and then do that, I'm like, eh, it's not that to me. It's kind of unnecessary. Yeah. You'd either have to add extraneous details that like just get waved to the side or you'd have to carry that lie over throughout the entire thing. Anytime it is brought up. Right. Yeah. So I, I know what you mean. And also, yeah, I think this is the first time you've really did like a recap of a previous episode that wasn't a direct, like, prequel to the episode you or were something presenting. i did as opposed to somebody else's topic it was like yeah. you know but even then like i don't think you actually did a full-on like here's a brief recap right. like so it was yeah no i i would have caught something but the only thing that I was hesitating on was when you said that everything that i had talked about about the satanic panic was only can or was contained in sum- summoning Satan with the level three right, warlock, and I forgot it, that you did the whole second for yeah, yeah. Which when you didn't say anything to the contrary, when I added that information, I was like, okay, he's not lying. I just it didn't was remember. just yeah. I, yeah, I conflated yeah, exactly. the two into one episode. I think just because they were which similar is, enough. Yeah, which is fair, be, especially because like the second the the one with D and D panic, I added a lot of the recap from the previous satanic right. ritual abuse, and that was also like episode 50 something so like barely just getting into season two yep um so yeah i can't remember off the top of my head well but it was a very long time ago indeed and this was a very long episode and uh proof positive that this is why you know doing research is a delightful thing for me but i also get very exceedingly excited when i start making uh my scripts and throw connective tissue in so i can get a little long in the tooth here but uh, nothing wrong with that. But no, uh, you know, is what it is. So we only have an additional well <laughs> twelve pages of of uh, research and material. I will try to cut it down. But again, it's one of those. <laughs> If you have no familiarity with some of these topics, you kind of have to get into some of the the granularity of it. Otherwise, it's pointless to even discuss it. It's like, why are we going to talk about yeah. a a British vampire in the 1960s? Like, you 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 want to know what happened? Particularly, there's a lot of very odd characters surrounding that set of circumstances. So, mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what you all think, and we will delve into that greedily and deeply next week. 
And I think adding these extra details, because you already said you were introducing a bunch of threads that you can explore later, exactly. which is absolutely fantastic. Like, And this is why I've been totally in support of you doing a redux for it, because one, you didn't revisit like any of the stuff that I did. You gave more context and more information, which who wouldn't want? You know, um, and and two, you have introduced so many new topics that you can cover at your leisure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who doesn't want information? Who who doesn't want this sort of like tasty, tasty, like Republicans, like stuff? Well, n- no one that's really listening to this podcast, <laughs> which is, point. you know, at this yes. point, just us three. Yes. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so. I think this is great. Well, thank this you. This is fantastic. I like, keep would, all the information in. It's fantastic. I figured, it's beautiful. Yes, this would definitely tickle your pickle. Uh, it's, mm. it's got a lot of the similar hallmarks to your particular interests. And also, just for me, it was fascinating, as we talked about on prior episodes, as I was you know, listening back to your episode, and then as I start to discover all of these other things just through my own interests and uh, intrigue, I'm going like, oh, wow, I didn't realize this. And once I started getting deeper and deeper into the Richard Ramirez discussion, they talked about how the emphasis on him being inspired by Satan really caused a, a stir, particularly in California. And then that kind of dovetailed off the Manson thing. And I was going like, you know, that is a really salient point that in the 60s that was kind of the the start of things looking like satanic or at least ritualistic uh murders and how that sort of springs anew this terror in the american consciousness that's kind of been instilled by all of the hellfire and brimstone talk in the course of uh educating or indoctrinating individuals with particular uh belief structures so fascinating for me in particular and i'm glad you all went on the ride with me yeah, no, oh, it was fantastic. super entertaining. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. Hooray! Well, uh, look forward to more for next week. And for those of you who had been worried and uh, complaining about just loose fit meandering topics, uh, congrats! This is what happens when we get back on topic and and uh, dogs start. Th- continue, continue. Okay. Uh, I, I have people running around the background that I was trying to say, like, go. Okay. Because someone was trying to watch from the background. I see. I see. As if a spirit. In the midst. Yeah, I saw the little uh, devil on your shoulder there. Yes, yes. I see. I, oh, I was mostly like, I, out. I saw I saw a dog walking through, but in any event, it's better than your. Uh, it was, There's no dogs here. It was a hellhound. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Get ready, Lewis Tully has made a comeback. Yes, have some. Behold. <laughs> uh, but uh, a delightful time for all of us and hopefully a delightful time for all of you. We thank you for being here as always. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't heard the other episodes, you can go pill for the archives. There's plenty of them. There. There's a plethora of material. And if you want even more, there's more uh, glorious episodes winging your way every marvelous Monday morning. You can check us out there. Of course, part two will be winging your way next week. Uh, God willing and the, and the crick don't rise or or Satan willing and the crick do rise. Ooh. But uh, I, I think that's going to run. And of course, if you want, uh, there's always the fun and fabulous After Darks on Fridays that we do uh, over on the Tubes of You. If you're curious where to find that, there is a link tree in the show notes below. You can click that. That'll take you to all of our irrelevant socials and other entertainment. Shh, 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 shh. It's like Casablanca on it for a moment there. But it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship for you and us if you stick around. And if you do enjoy the show, like, subscribe 
subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you, and I believe that uh, will sufficiently get us through the plugs and other ephemera. Stay tuned for more devilry next week, and we're going to get wicked and have a little chat about metal music, and in particular, two things that I'm very fond of and that Doc and I alluded to previously. We're going to talk about Metallica and Stephen King a little bit in the course of the next episode as well. So you can buckle in for that, friends. And, of course, vampirism in the UK. A delightful time. So that is going to officially wrap this thing up in a salacious little body bag for this week. And so for Disinformed, this installment, I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. Michael. And zippity soup, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>